If you want to run a marathon, it's advisable to train for it. If you want to climb Mount Everest, you have to train for it. Hard things require preparation. It's ill-advised to try and set a freediving record if you don't yet know how to swim. In the same way, if you want to behold God's glory, you must train for it. And brothers and sisters, you want to behold God's glory. Tonight we're in Exodus 33. Uh, to catch you up to speed on what's been happening in Exodus at this point, the Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness for a bit. Moses has been up Mount Sinai, received the law from God, come down to find the Israelites worshiping a golden calf that just happened to come out of the fire. He smashed the tablets that he was given by God, and now he's in the tent of meeting, talking with God where we come in. And in their dialogue, Moses asks to see God's glory. So we're going to read from verse 18 through the end of the chapter. So again, that's Exodus 33, starting at verse 18. Then Moses said, Please, let me see your glory. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he added, you cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock, and when my glory passes by, I will put put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, And you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. And we're specifically focusing it on verse 20 tonight. I will read that again. It says, but he added, you cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. Why? Why can't we see his face and live? Well, I think it's pretty safe to say that it's because we are sinful and flawed. We live in a fallen state. We don't have glorified bodies. We're not capable of experiencing that much of God's glory in these bodies. So much the same way that you can't put nitroglycerin in your car and expect your car to still be functioning or even to be a car, to experience God's glory like that in our current state would overwhelm us to the point of death. But still, based on the interaction and indeed the outcome of it, the real question isn't why, but How do I get as much as I can? That's the example set for us in the passage. Moses pleads to see God's glory, and God says, seeing my face would kill you. But then God still gives him as much as he can handle. And like getting a glimpse of of how big a boat is only by being allowed to see its wake after it's passed by, Moses is allowed to hear God pass by and to see the wake of his passing. And if we read on after this encounter, Moses' own face was shining so much that the Israelites couldn't bear to see his face. And Moses had to cover it up for the sake of the people so that they could handle being around him. It certainly adds color and depth to the priestly blessing outlined in Numbers when he says, May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. This is God hearkening back to this moment we're reading about in Exodus. So there are some key things to consider in this. God wants us to want 
to experience the radiance of his glory as experienced in seeing him. God wants us to experience that, the radiance of his glory as experienced in seeing him. And we clearly have different capacities for handling it too. Although no man can see him and live, Moses could handle seeing the aftermath of God's goodness passing by. And then after seeing it, there was so much residual glory on his face that the people in the camp couldn't even handle seeing his face. So I think it's fair to say that they had different capacities for handling God's glory if the residue of it was unbearable to them. So why could Moses handle more? Well, presumably because he regularly and closely pursued God's glory. Tolerance isn't, isn't quite the right word to describe it, but he certainly had built up more of a capacity to appreciate and enjoy God's glory. So we absolutely must pursue God's glory with all we have, with all we are. We should become collectors of God's glory, hoard it, treasure it, stockpile it, grab as much as you can, because uh, I realize some of these terms have negative connotations, but at the end of the day, there are no negative outcomes to this. No matter how much you gather, it just spills off of you and washes over those around you. And just like Moses' shining face, you will overflow with it without your own storehouses being depleted. So hoard it. Get as much as you can. Carpe gloria. So how do we accustom or acclimatize ourselves to God's glory? First, enjoy God's glory. And then, build your capacity to enjoy his glory so that you can enjoy more of it. And this couldn't be a more virtuous cycle. When I say enjoy God's glory, I mean bask in it, refresh yourself with it, allow yourself to become intoxicated with it. While his glory is painted across the sky for us to see through his creation, nowhere is it laid out more clearly or explicitly than his word. From Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 22, it is saturated with God's glory. From Job declaring, before Moses ever even took a breath, I know that my Redeemer lives and in my flesh I will see him with my eyes. To all the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 who saw a better place, a dwelling place with God, the entire Old Testament looks forward in faith and anticipation to the incarnation of the glory of God in Christ and the manifestation of his glory on the cross. Everything after the Gospels triumphantly balances on the glorious victory that he achieved there. And now, like the heroes of faith before us, we eagerly wait for him to come and return in his glory. I was talking with some brothers this past week about how in my youth I used to want to get past the cross. I wanted to learn complex doctrine and and be able to talk about Zephaniah and what's going on in there, or any other part of the Bible that you rarely hear quoted. But the simple truth is that I was a fool in thinking like that. Doctrine is meaningless apart from the cross, and Zephaniah or any other passage needs to be interpreted through the lens of what God is ultimately doing throughout all of history, which reaches its peak at the cross. The cross is both the highest 
of God's glory that we have seen so far, and it's where my feeble understanding of his glory begins. So any application of this verse that we're looking at tonight has to begin at the cross. While we can't see God's face and live, we can start to consume and draw on his glory in the cross. So take that with you each day as you go out hunting for his glory in his word. And make sure that you are flexing the muscles required to gather his glory by pursuing it in his word every day. I want to hold up family devotions here because these are not only an opportunity to train your children in this exercise, but they're an opportunity for you to be doing this too. And family devotions are really not just for children. And you might hear me say that and say, well, obviously. But I certainly remember thinking that family devotions were, were something that you do once you have kids. And I, I don't think I'm terribly alone in thinking like that. So, are you married but you don't have kids? Well, you should be doing family devotions. Or uh, maybe... Sorry. Uh, and men especially, you, you do have an obligation to be leading your family in the pursuit of God's glory. And even if you're single, you, you still are the head of a household, so uh, it might be a bit easier for you to get your household together. You might still suffer the same distractions that we all struggle with, but you should be thinking of this as, as a pathway to starting your family devotions now. And it's equally important... Uh, to focus on memorization. I know some people think that, that memorization is a gift, and while some people might genuinely be better at it than others, I'm betting that everybody in this room has at least one verse memorized. And when you memorize scripture, you can take it with you everywhere and pull it out at any moment. You can turn it over and over. You can poke at it and prod at it, look at it from every angle, and squeeze it for more of God's glory. And find more in it every time you go back to it. That's what my sermon prep looked like this week. And I'm guessing anyone who spent time with me is hearing snippets of the conversations that we had this past week. Because I just kept turning this verse over and over at every, every opportunity. And the quality and the depth of the glory gathering multiplies the more that you memorize. You literally can't lose so I love to hold up extended memorization because you just get to see more of God working. You can see his plans intricately playing out and what he's weaving together, the more of it that you have to work with. So memorize, memorize large chunks of scripture, entire chapters. Memorize Romans 8. It's 39 verses. If you start today... You will have the entire chapter memorized by the 11th of August. That's not that far away. And in so doing, you will have dug yourself a well deep down into God's glory that you can draw from whenever you are thirsty. When we read through Romans 8 in, in our family devotions, my kids complained that I was shouting. I couldn't help it. It's just so rich with God's glory. So, so drink it up. I'm not throwing this out there. It's just something you should do. Really, go do it. Do it. <laughs> Please. And now that you're regularly gathering nuggets of God's glory in doing family devotions and tapping wells of his glory by memorizing his word, I want you to tell each other about it. 
When you encounter God's glory in his word, tell your brothers and sisters about it. We have a time on Sunday evenings specifically for this. Come ready to build up the church with what you've seen in his word. And you you don't have to wait for that either. You can call someone up, text them. Don't assume that you are late to the party and, and others have already seen what you have just seen in his word. It doesn't matter. It's good to hear it again. Frankly, there's nothing new in what I'm saying tonight. But I do believe that it's good to hear it again and again. Whether or not it's something that you have or haven't seen before, you both get to celebrate. And when you do, you're achieving your chief end, which, as Piper said, is to glorify God by enjoying him. And finally, you should be building up your capacity to enjoy God's glory. And well, actually, this is, this is really what we've already been talking about. But I, I want to distinguish this as something that you should be getting out of enjoying God's glory. You might say that we, we build up that capacity for free because the more that we soak in God's glory, the, the more capacity that we have to enjoy it. Moses regularly met with God and regularly had to veil his face for the sake of the people around him that couldn't handle the radiance of God's glory on him. In the voyage of the Don Treader, the, the heroes are sailing east, as far east as they can go, right over the edge of the world if it has one. And as they get further east, they get closer and closer to where the sun comes up in the morning, to the point where it seems five or six times bigger to them than normal, and they can't bear how bright it is. The world starts to wash out in their eyes because they just can't handle the brightness until they realize that the water they're sailing in is no longer salty, but sweet. And the water itself has has started to capture some of the light in it. And as they drink it, they become able to appreciate the light of the sun, and they become able to see again. The Bible is kind of like that water for us. It is sweet. And the more that we consume it, God's glory as presented, the more that we are, we are consuming that, we are training ourselves and preparing ourselves for his glory. So church, let's be a church with a large capacity for his glory, ready to behold him face to face. Please pray with me. Father, it is humbling that you would share your glory with us through your word, that you would allow us to enjoy enjoy you through your glory, through what you have done. Please give us a hunger and a thirst for it. Father, draw us to it daily and build us up through it so that we are more and more prepared to behold more and more of your glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.